Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented. And let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. Good morning, rise and shine, people. We have finally made it through the month of January. It is a Thursday, February the 1st, here on the Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. In the following hour, we'll get to a lot of basketball talk, starting with NBA Futures, who we think wins Rookie of the Year, and a very entertaining race between Wimby and Chet Holmgren. Then we've got uh, how you can make some money on the NBA tonight, as opposed to, you know, waiting the entire season, we'll examine the slate tonight in the association and then follow it up with a little bit of college basketball futures talk. Uh, Jenks, I've got to get your take on something. Uh, mm-hmm. I was at the playground yesterday, as we normally do, and mm-hmm. my daughter was playing, and then up walks these, I want to say they're high school girls, maybe they're middle school girls, but okay. they are fully decked out in cat costumes like they have on these big furry boots they've got on fluffy tails they have full-on masks and they are not walking they are like prancing on all fours and acting like they're cats how do i explain this to my four-year-old because here's the thing i understand that there is a line between weird and creative that Mm -hmm. can be tricky 
I don't want my daughter to like, you know, think something is weird. So she's not expressing how she feels doing something creative, but I'm not going to lie. This was really weird. They were meowing. They were hissing. And I think these girls were in high school. Is this weird? Can I tell this to my daughter that this is weird? Or do you think that, you know, I should give them the benefit of the doubt? I'm not one to judge. I think you tell your daughter this is weird. This is just odd. This isn't normal, honey. So I don't know what they're doing. Maybe they're playing dress up, but this is, this is weird. It's not Halloween. I think it's okay sometimes just to be straight up and say, I, I think this is odd. This is weird. I don't really know what's going on here. This doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I think that's a fair assessment because if I saw that, I would be like, is there, is there like a comic con around here? Is this some sort of cosplay? If they're just, if that's going on, well, then that's completely different. But if you're just randomly walking around acting like a cat and dressed up like a cat, yes, that is weird. Definitively. Have you ever seen this out in public? Like the cosplaying? I have seen this before, but it wasn't cats. I think they were okay. like cosplaying as like knights or something. There is okay. a certain park where like people do weird stuff in. And it's not this park. Like this is a fenced in playground. But have you ever seen something like this in the wild? All the time. Because really? I live, yes, because I live within walking distance of the DC Convention Center. So on a regular uh. basis, we'll see these massive conventions. from, And they happen from all over the country. It could be an auto convention. It could be some sort of, there was a neurosurgeon convention a few weeks ago there will be a comic con or some sort of cosplay convention and so every now and then i'll be walking down the street and it's generally more of a summertime get together you'll just see people dressed up in any sort of costume that you could imagine because they're having this massive convention and people are coming from all over the country everywhere so oddly enough yes i see this regularly but do you know what I'm saying about trying not to stifle my daughter's creativity? Was there something sure. you did as a child that obviously it may seem weird now, but mm. there is a difference between like a little girl doing this. Like my daughter's sure. four and she thought it was cool because she loves cats. And she's like, oh, can mm. I do that? I yeah. was like, no, you can't. Right. But is where is the line? You know, when you're talking about something weird or something creative, Well, this is where I will not preach here, but this is why critical thinking needs to be taught in schools, right? Because the longer that things have gone on, people look at things in a very black and white way and there's no gray area and they don't think about different perspectives. They strip away context. And so all of that is to say that, is it weird if you're a, if you're just walking through a playground dressed up and acting like a cat in high school? Yeah, that's weird. But also, if you're a little girl and you're playing dress up and you're just pretending to be a cat, well, then it's totally different. So this is when, how old are you? Are you at a convention? Is there a point here? Are you going to a party? Why are you doing this? What is your motivation? So there's all these different things that factor into it. So if it's Blake, it's like, Dude, she's three, she's four, she's a kid. So kids play dress up all the time. They go, they still celebrate Halloween on a regular basis and kids have fanciful ideas and you want to lean into that and make sure your child is creative. But also at the same time, if my kid is, I don't know, 
17 and says, hey, I just want to dress up and act like a cat all the time. I'm like, all right, well, we need to talk about this. This seems a little odd to me. So it just depends on circumstance and context. There's no necessarily right or wrong, but you have to look at these circumstances involved. The reason I asked this is because I kind of feel like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth this week. Because earlier this week, me and my friend were mm -hmm. talking about how when we were as old as like 13 or 14, we were still at like the community pool playing like Green River and Sharks and Minnows and all these games mm -hmm. and, you know, even mermaids in the pool. And like we weren't dressing up like that. But have you seen some 13 year olds these days? They look like they're 27. And it feels like kids these days are no longer kids. They are on their no. phones. They know everything about makeup. So I was like, okay, Chelsea, you can't have it both ways. You said you wanted kids to be kids. Now they're being kids. But I don't know. It just felt weird. Like the costumes were like oddly realistic and they weren't breaking character. I was like, are they method acting for something here? I did that one time, but that was on A, it was on Halloween and B, it was a joke. Do you know what I mean? Well, I wasn't being ser serious about yeah. it, right? So again, it it depends on context. It depends on what's going on. Mm -hmm. If they're just doing this just because they want to pretend to be cats, yeah, that is weird. Like we've all, when I was a kid, I did all sorts of weird things, you know, right? I, I was interested in different things, but I'm you're a kid and then you grow out of it mm -hmm. and you start to mature and then you stop doing those things because they're things that are generally generally reserved for children so yes at that age if i had a child who was like hey dad i'm just gonna pretend to be a dog for the next week and i'm gonna dress up like a dog or a cat i'd be like well then when you're done doing that on thursday at 3 30 we're going to see your therapist that's what i would say like why what is the point here Okay, so final thing before we get on to the NBA. Have mm -hmm. you seen that picture of that? I think it's a Japanese guy that full on has this really elaborate costume of like a collie and he's a dog and he pays somebody to walk him. Do you know oh, what yes. I'm talking about? I have seen this. Yes, that's a problem that needs to be addressed. I'm not for, I'm for everyone doing their own thing. I am not one to judge other people. However, I also am not one who's ready to normalize everything. Do you know what I mean? You just all the time, normalize this, normalize that. I'm not going to normalize a guy in a dog costume being walked around on a leash by someone if he's a grown man in public. Oh my! Well, you know what? That I think it's okay to say. You see that grown man right there, that 34-year-old in a collie costume, and he's being walked down the sidewalk by another human? I'm not – that's – I think it's okay to say, you know what? That's just odd behavior. I'm not for that. I'm not going to normalize that. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm about as open and progressive as it gets when it comes to being acceptive or accepting. But at some point, it's like, come on, what are you doing here? Like, you're, you're, not, you're not a dog, sir. You're a human. I think you just need to unpack why you are wanting to do this. Like, that's yes. when you need to see it. Uh, so we're going to move on to the NBA after a you know, discussion like this. But if you aren't driving, just go ahead and search this. This man who spent $15,000 on a costume to look God. like a very realistic dog. And he has somebody walking him. Like, go ahead and look at it. It is the weirdest thing I think I saw in like this past year. And that's saying a lot because it's been a weird year. 
All right, on to the NBA, like I had mentioned. How about this year in the association as we have some of these races in the futures market really heating up? Uh, well, let's look at the title first. The Celtics are your favorite over at BetMGM plus 310. Nuggets plus 425. Bucks plus 525. Clippers 7-1. to one, Sixers 12-1. to one, And Suns 13-1. to one. So, Jenks, I feel like as gamblers, we look at this market a little differently mm-hmm. than say just a normal NBA talk show looking at, okay, who do we think is going to win the title? Because for us, it is always price dependent. So how do you strike the balance between a good team and the perceived value? Well, that is a a good question. I think this is where you have to start trying to project what you're going to see from a team down the stretch, right? And it's easy to get caught up in the moment, like the Bucks, for example, at plus 525. Do you believe that even though they haven't won under Doc Rivers, they're 0-2, it's not a big deal, but do you believe down the stretch that he will actually be able to turn this team into the defensive unit that they need to be in order to win the NBA title? The Clippers have been awesome at 7-1. Will they continue this stretch? Will they continue to stay hot? Will this chemistry stay in place? What about the Sixers at 12 to 1? What about Joel Embiid? Is he going to stay healthy? And even if he is healthy, do you believe in Philly? So this is when you have to take the information that you have, obviously, when you're talking about futures and say, how do I think this is going to play out? And based on how I think it's going to play out, is there value there? Like, I'll tell you, I hate the Celtics at at plus 310. I, I need to see it from the Celtics, and I don't like the value at all because Sure, I like Boston at a better number, but based on what I've seen from the Celtics over the past couple of seasons, they feel like a team to me that can't get over the hump. So at plus 310, no way. How about the Timberwolves? Just so if they win at all, I can dress up like an actual wolf. I'll get a snout. I'll be nice and furry. And then someone can walk me around the neighborhood and I'll be like, or whatever sort of sound they make. If I maybe if I'm to cosplay, I'll go Timberwolves. Right now, I would say my favorite is the Clippers at seven to one. And I don't really like the personalities on the Clippers. I don't like James Harden and I don't like Russell Westbrook. But seven to one, I feel like those odds are just gonna keep shortening. They finally put it together. Yeah, it does feel like the Clippers are a team to watch, especially at that price. I think you need to be careful with some of the teams that have the big name superstars. Because those are the ones that you probably get the least value on, you know, because people look mm-hmm. at the superstars and they say, oh, well, you know, the NBA is a superstar driven league, which it absolutely is. But you have to have some kind of depth. And isn't that also the knock on the Milwaukee Bucks is when they got Damian Lillard, they had to mm-hmm. trade away a lot of their depth. Same goes for the Phoenix Suns when they acquired the big three, uh, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant. And uh, of course, they had Devin Booker already. They had to get a red, uh, get rid of a lot of their depth pieces. So think about the NBA postseason. It is like its own little mini season. It's a long time. It lasts yeah. like the whole summer. So you have to have a team that is built for that gauntlet of a schedule when it comes to the playoffs. So for that reason, I'm out on the Bucks. I'm out on the Suns. I think you look if there's any favorite, you know, from the top few teams. And I know you already yeah. said the Clippers. What about the Nuggets? Like, it just feels like a team that ho-hum just does the grunt work. Obviously, you need to stay healthy, and I think that's been the problem with some of these games as of late. But still, a team that's been there, done it all, and yet they're not the favorites. Yeah, I don't know. I 
I'm kind of with you there. I do like the Nuggets. I don't like necessarily the value at plus 425, but of these top teams, outside of the Bucks, which I don't really believe in yet, outside of the Celtics that I don't really believe in, I talked about that. I do like the Clippers. Yeah, I like the Bucks better than I do the Celtics for sure, based on that experience and based on the fact that I think the Nuggets are one of those teams, having done it now, that they will be able to turn it on or amp it up down the stretch. Once teams win a title, then suddenly you see that on a regular basis. Then they're able to finally start playing looser because they have nothing to prove. We've seen that from the Chiefs in the NFL. Once you win that championship, it changes the complexion of how you play and how relaxed you are. And the Celtics, all the pressure is on them because they've been favorites for a couple seasons, haven't been able to do it. Nuggets have, so I don't mind that. I also think this is a good time to look at the futures market because we're about to approach the NBA trade deadline. It Mm -hmm. is on the 8th of February. Some of these teams are going to be making moves. I think the biggest move that we've seen so far, because we've already seen some moves, as uh, Matt was talking about this in the chat, is the Knicks. Uh, Picking up OG uh, and an OB was a big time move for the Knicks. And I know you don't see it in the stat sheet. And, you know, maybe he's not the big splashy name that you'd want to see. But I think this is a great pickup. And same could be said for Pascal Siakam. I'm not sure if the Pacers are quite there yet. Oh, we could talk all day about this. Uh, And we haven't even mentioned the Oklahoma City Thunder, who I feel like for both of us, I know I don't speak for you, but we also like the Thunder as a value play uh, if you're (laughs) looking at the odds right now. All right, got to get to break on the other end. We will get to our daily NBA plays. The best action in the association coming your way next on The Daily Tip. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on The Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to The Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM with Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. As we're back. Off and rolling on this Thursday edition of the Daily Tip. Jenks, I am somebody who is definitely celebrating the end of January. It was 55 days long and it was terrible. Are you somebody who is glad this month is over? Or are you somebody who does not care that much? Because you are a self-proclaimed winter person. I would say, you know what? I am ready for this month to be over. I do like winter. It is over. But it is, yes. So I would say, I mean, winter isn't over, but I mean, I guess it is or it's on its way out. So I would say that I like the cooler weather, but I'm not going to miss January. I have to say I'm ready to move forward. So shockingly enough, I'm with you on this. I think there was only one thing out of January that I actually liked, and that was the NFL playoffs. Like that's the only thing to like hang your hat on. Like other than that, what's Mm -hmm. in January? Like nothing. Mm, nothing. Doesn't have any good holidays. Like I guess New <laughs> Year's Day at the very first, but still, like that month was terrible. Thank <clears throat> God it's over. I am ready for February to commence, which means we've got the Super Bowl this month, and then next month we have March Madness. The month mm-hmm. after that we have the Masters. Have you seen some of the Masters commercials that are already airing? Boy, do yeah, I get it's... excited. 
that is the best feeling when those start coming on. Oh, that's right. I forgot that you're such a huge masters person or golf person like Jake is. I'm excited. It just kind of hit me the other day. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess so. So I, I'm excited. It just actually hit me the other day when I saw that commercial and I hadn't spent a lot of time thinking about it. So I love golf. I love the majors. It's going to be great to have it back. I just, it kind of snuck up on me, I guess is what I'm saying. I know. And I need to do some golf cramming because we do have golf on at our house a lot, but mm -hmm. there's like a lot of wild things going on on the PGA tour right now with like the new ownership and trying to get like the PGA tour and live like on the same page so there is a lot of research I need to do. And luckily, we have Cam Rogers joining us to talk a little golf later in the show around the top of the hour. So we'll get to some golf. Maybe he can uh, get us up to speed on everything going on because we have the Pebble Beach Pro-Am uh, unfolding this week. So let's get to the NBA and some money we can make tonight in the association. Let's start off in New York as the Knicks are hosting the Pacers. We've got the next three and a half point home favorites, total of 240 and a half. Jenks, you have won yourself some coin betting on the Knicks. Are you mm -hmm. doing it tonight? Well, let's see here. What did I write down, Chelsea? You know what? I don't think I am, believe it or not, because now they're without Julius Randle. So, you know, he's not going to be playing for a few weeks because of of this issue. So while the Knicks are getting weaker, I think the Pacers are getting stronger. Ty Tyrese Halliburton is back for Indiana. He's on a minutes restriction. So, but he is back in the lineup. Pacers have covered three of their last four. They covered the other night in Boston. I, I just, as much as I like the Knicks, I need to see them and how they're going to, how they're going to play without such a significant piece of their lineup. So Normally, I've been on the Knicks a lot this season. They won't need some money, but now that they're banged up, I got to pass on this one. I guess I would take the Pacers, maybe. I think it's it's hard for me to go against the Knicks here because mm -hmm. they have been scorching hot fire as of late. Eight straight wins covering in eight of their last 10 matchups, and the under's been hot. So let's walk down that road for just a second. What about a total here? We know New York plays pretty solid defense. They don't have Julius Randle filling up the stat sheet. We've got a total that is already sunk from 242 when it opened to 238 and a half. Now it's 237 and a half. This one is sinking like a rock. Do you think the mm -hmm. money is headed in the right direction? Yeah, I do. I absolutely do. Also, when when it at least for me, and I again it's important to always point out you never just follow the money blindly, but if I see a couple of defensive teams who have normally hit the under, and then I see a total drop this many points. Then I think you just, by virtue of the movement, Chelsea, I think it's worth a look. Do you know what I mean? Especially when you have yeah. guys out that normally would provide a scoring punch. It makes sense. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy 
got your happy price, price line. I think the problem is sometimes the Pacers are not the best defensively, and they do That's play true. at a very fast pace, which they are aptly named the Pacers. But also, this mm-hmm. is a pretty high total, you know, sitting at uh, 237 and a half where it currently sits. I think I would look at the under, but consider some of the questionables in this matchup before you bet on it. OG Ananobi is questionable. Julius Randle, we said out. And for the Pacers, Tyrese Halliburton, again, going to be on that minutes restriction. Uh, Let's go next to Boston Lakers Celtics in what looks to be a great matchup, but the spread says otherwise. Celtics laying 10 and a half. We know this is not the Lakers team of past years, middling right around 500 total of 240. And a half, another high total here. Jenks, are you laying the big number with the Celtics? Yeah, I am. I'm going to do it. Why not? You think Magic Johnson is going to go into the garden and beat Larry Bird? No way, man. No way. Not the way Robert Parrish is playing. Here's the thing. Boston has been pretty good at covering the number at home this season. Not the best in the league, but certainly more often than not they do. But the Lakers away from home, Chelsea, I mean, They've just been so bad. Nine and 15 against the spread. That's fourth worst in the NBA. And the Lakers just not playing well right now. And I think I'm also influenced by the fact that LeBron James was talking about that Hawks loss. And he was essentially saying, yeah, we're not that good of a basketball team on any given night. Sure, we can win. We can also lose on any given night. I know AD didn't play down in Atlanta, but this is a Lakers team that even when it's at full strength struggles, So it's a big number, but I would lean Celtics, actually. I think this is one that you got to wait and see. Uh, It looks like we have question marks next to Mm -hmm. the biggest stars on L.A. LeBron and A.D. both questionable for this game, and that's probably why you're seeing such a big number. But like you said, Boston has been a wagon at home. Maybe not against the spread, but straight up at home this year, a blistering 22-2. and They are very good when they are playing in Boston. So I'd lean towards the Celtics, but it is a pretty sizable number. Let's go to Memphis. Grizzlies and Cavs squaring off. Cavs laying five and a half. Total of 218 and a half. Jenks, you've been riding the unders, I believe, on some of these Grizzlies games. Maybe it depends on the matchup, but... We've got another great defensive team coming to Memphis here, but the total's kind of low at 216 and a half. It did open at 218 and a half. Is this another underplay? Yes, it is. And you can still find it right now. I need to double check, but you can still find it at 219 in a place or Ooh. two. I'll I'll triple check that. I, I'm definitely gonna be on the under here. This is gonna be my one play for today. Mm-hmm. And it's the back end of a back-to-back for the Cavs. I think they're gonna be playing on tired legs. The Grizzlies are terrible offensively. We understand why. John Morant out for the season. But the key here really is the defensive play on both sides because the Cavs are third overall in points allowed. The Grizz are in the top 15, but they've played better recently. Also, this is still, when you're talking about Memphis, the second best under team in all of basketball. So I love this play. I'm under. Hopefully I can can find that number again. I'll double check. But I'm going to go under tonight in Memphis, yeah. Yeah, I had a feeling. Uh, Memphis is at the under in four of their last five. And if you look at the injury report, my goodness, it's really long. Like, it doesn't even fit on, like, one scroll. You have to keep scrolling. They have so many guys that are injured, that are out. It has been a very tough year for Memphis. And Cleveland, like you said, really good Mm -hmm. defensively. So love that play as well. Next up, let's go to the Sixers and the Jazz. Jazz laying four and a half. The Sixers, of course, 
I believe, still waiting on what's going to be going on with Joel Embiid, if I am not mistaken. I know that was the big concern coming out of the other night. Uh, he came out of the game pretty early. Uh, he's out for this game, and that's why the Jazz are favored. Also playing at home here, uh, where they've been pretty good, 15-6 and six so far this season. So the Sixers team is mm. kind of flailing. They've lost four straight. Are the Jazz the play? Yeah, they have to be, right? Don't you just have to go with the Jazz here? I, I, I think you do. And here's the thing. Even before, like even before Joel Embiid was out of the lineup, the Sixers were struggling. I believe they had lost four straight. So you're talking about a Sixers team that was already playing poorly. Now their best player is out. And the Jazz just happened to be the best covering team in basketball when playing at home. So let's go with the Jazz. It's a short number. And then since it's in Salt Lake City, we'll all be in bed by 10 o'clock. Ooh, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I do think the Jazz are the play there. I was listening to, uh, I think it was an NBA station on Sirius XM. Mm -hmm. They were talking about uh, how the NBA has made these rules so players actually have to play more games. And they were trying to discuss Joel Embiid and saying, okay, how much of this is he, you know, actually hurt is he actually like resting himself or how much mm -hmm. of this is, you know, maybe he doesn't want to play some of these games. And you could say that for just about any, any NBA player, but for Joel Embiid, I feel like the conversation is a little different because I think we keep forgetting he is mm -hmm. a massive human. Do you ever think how hard it is on his body to run up and down a court for an entire season of basketball? And this is why I wouldn't bet on him to win the MVP for the longest mm -hmm. of times. So do you think it's fair for some of these NBA players to take rest days or do you think they should be playing through it? I know it's a complicated question, but I think this is probably the biggest problem they have in the NBA, at least mm -hmm. from a fan perspective, because people want to see the superstars when a team comes to their town. The NBA has two problems. Number one is what you mentioned, the superstar aspect. I don't have an issue with a player taking a break I get that if you're a big guy like a Joel Embiid, that being on the road or playing a lot of games can take their toll. It's the amount of days off. I think that's the real issue. Mm -hmm. So I don't mind rest. It's just when on a regular basis, and Adam Silver's had to address this, you're talking about guys who are constantly taking days off, mm -hmm. constantly taking days off. And there's a difference between resting and then maybe just taking advantage of the system a little bit. And then secondly, I think the lack of defense – sounds like a like it's not even sounds like it is becoming more and more of an issue where you're seeing fouls called that aren't really fouls and we're seeing ridiculous scores and again there's always there's always a healthy balance you can strike i'm not trying to go back to the the 90s when we were seeing 83 79 games but at some point i think it just takes away from the sport when you're stripping away an aspect of the game that is so very important, which is great defensive play. And so I think those are two things that the NBA can solve. And you can find a happy medium. Everybody wants to be entertained. Mm -hmm. Scoring is great. But I think those are the two primary issues that are that the NBA is facing right now is getting your stars on the court and also maybe adjusting the rules a little bit where defense matters and it's not just an all-star game half the time. Here's what I will say about the NBA. It does feel like 
they at least make an effort to correct whatever is going on because they did make the mm -hmm. 65 game eligibility rule. And mm -hmm. that's why I think people are talking about it because Magic Johnson went on the record and said like, he loves this rule. He knows that fans want to see the stars. And he said, good for the NBA for, you know, yeah. making these rules to try to offset that. Uh, speaking of Magic Johnson, we've got a couple minutes left here. I know he's okay. one of the owners of the commanders. Uh -huh. What's going on with the head coaching search? I thought they were going to get the Lions offensive coordinator. Well, Whoa. everybody thought that. And then Ben Johnson did not pull a very smart move because apparently he informed the commanders or someone with the commanders that he was not taking the job while they were on a flight to go see him. So if you're going to turn someone down, don't do that while they're in the air on a plane ready to visit you. You might want to discuss it with them first and then do it in person. So that is a bad look. I'm not knocking the guy because he didn't take the job. That's certainly his right, but there's a way to handle that. And right now, I don't know. Dan Quinn is a name that keeps popping up, but certainly Ben Johnson was the first choice for this franchise. And just, what was it, last week? I think everyone within the organization or even most experts thought it's only a matter of time. We just have to wait and see what happens to the Lions. And so this was a real shock. I, I don't know if they're going to restart the process. They brought in a lot of new people as part of the reorganization, which I think everyone's excited about. But Chelsea, I have no idea what they're going to do now. <sighs> and it feels like they're running out of candidates. Like how yeah. many qualified candidates are there really for a head coaching job in the NFL? Mm -hmm. It feels like the pool is pretty small. And I have complained about the coaching carousel, like, oh, we're hiring this guy again. But seriously, like how many guys are qualified to be a head coach in the NFL? It feels like there's not that many. No, there's not. It's difficult. And it's really difficult in the NFL because known commodities are what, coaching searches generally end up with right so it's hard to really say let's go with someone who hasn't done it before maybe an inspired choice the nfl is not very good at that well and especially if you hire like a tight ends coach and he's <laughs> absolutely terrible and people are like well he's never even run an offense so why could <laughs> he run an entire team all right coming up next it's time to switch gears to college hoops. Who wins it all in March Madness? Our early looks coming up next. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back. Off and rolling. Time to talk some college hoops because it's getting to be that time of year. If you have been nose deep in the NFL, newsflash, there's only one game left in the season. You're going to have to pick something else, whether it's the NBA, whether it's college hoops. Um, you should probably getting, uh, be getting ready because March Madness is right around the corner. So we've done mm -hmm. the homework. We're going to try to get you guys up to speed on maybe some teams to keep your eyes peeled for come this March. Uh, Jenks, I haven't asked. Have you been following Texas basketball? Like, I know it was a great year for Texas football, but... 
Texas basketball is usually pretty solid. I don't mm-hmm. know if they're winning it all this year, but do you expect your Longhorns to be in March Madness? Yeah, I. they're not as good this year. And I just think there's been a step down from Chris Beard to Rodney Terry. And frankly, without getting into the details, but now that a lot of the information has come out, I think Texas overreacted and letting go of Chris Beard because – Of course, he's back coaching again. He had a good thing going. He went to Texas, but that's over with now, right? I just believe that Rodney Terry is a bit of a step down and that while Texas has plenty of talent, I I think coaching has a lot to do with it. So I'm I'm a little worried about this squad. They're they're, they're very inconsistent. And they did a great job, I thought, in the offseason of bringing in Aceness, for example. And they had some Mm -hmm. experience from last year. But ultimately, this is this is a team that can look great one day, and then you know they they really took the fight to Houston a, a few nights ago, and then the bottom can drop out for these guys. So I follow Texas basketball not as intently as I follow Texas football, but also because this is a team that I think is ultimately going to be disappointing. Because Matt just said this in a chat, and he's right; they were ranked for a long time, but that was based on what they did last season, and now I think they're having some of that negative regression, which is fair. Do you think coaching matters in college basketball more than most sports? I would argue it's super important almost just because of the, the structure of March madness, because you can have a great team, but like March madness is a gauntlet. You have to keep your team laser focused Mm -hmm. and you can't take a single nine off or else, you know, you're not surviving and advancing. And as I'm looking at the list of former national champions, You look at the coaches like last year, Dan Hurley, people are saying, well, you don't put him in that category, but he won a national title. Uh, Mm -hmm. And also, I think he's a pretty solid head coach. Then you go to Bill Self, Scott Drew of Baylor, Tony Bennett, Jay Wright, Roy Williams, Jay Wright, Coach K, Kevin Ollie, Rick Pitino, John Calipari, Jim Mm -hmm. Calhoun, Coach K, Roy Williams, Bill Self, Billy Donovan twice, and then Roy Williams. Like, think of all those coaches. It just feels like a who's who of big name college basketball coaches. So how much do you put this into your handicap of trying to pick a winner for March Madness? A ton, an absolute ton. It it matters in the biggest way. When you're dealing with college kids and a skill set that is still developing, and especially now when kids don't stay as long as they used to, What's the one big differentiator? It, it, it's coaching. Now, obviously, at, at the Blue Blood schools, they're going to recruit better. They're going to have better talent than everyone else. And now you have NIL, so that's a factor. But ultimately, the one thing that really can make a difference is coaching. And Chris Beard is a perfect example because look at what Ole Miss is doing this season. Ole Miss is not known for basketball. But Chris Beard, I think, was – for a long time, widely regarded as one of the best coaches in college basketball, won at Texas Tech, won at Texas. Now he's at Ole Miss, and he's winning again at a school that is not a basketball school. So when you find the right fit, you can be a college basketball coach for a long time, and it's it's not a coincidence that when you mention the list of national champions, those coaches are the greats. Exactly. Even though I do wonder in the era of NIL – if this is going to change at all, because you've got to remember in years past, you know, the players didn't have as much 
leverage, I guess is the word you would use, as they mm-hmm. do now. So maybe it's more player-based than it used to be. We certainly see way more transfers uh, than we did in years past. But let's look at the odds right now over at BetMGM to win it all in college hoops. Purdue sitting as the favorite 8-1 to one, Houston, 9-1 to one, UConn, 950. Arizona 13 to 1, Kentucky 14 to 1, followed by UNC 13 to 1, and Tennessee at 14 to 1. So let's start at the top. We were just right. talking about how much how much head coaching matters when you look at Purdue. And my goodness, have their failures in the NCAA tournament been terrible? So when you look at a team like that, does it make you nervous to take a co- coach like Matt Painter, who has been there and who has failed? I'm not going to say miserably, but when you yeah. lose to small schools like that, and now it's the running joke about Purdue basketball, is this a team that you would have your questions about backing? Yes, there's no way I want to trust Purdue at all. Like they've been in a perfect position to get things done in the past couple of seasons, like you were talking about. And they just haven't done it. Now they had the best player in the country in Zach Eady. So there's always a possibility. There is a reason why they're the favorites. The number is the number. But ultimately, I need to see a team, I mean, at least make a run. That's the thing. It's one thing to, okay, you make a run, you get to the final four, you get to the elite eight, whatever, and it doesn't work out for you. It's quite another to have incredible regular seasons and then get the boot early on. So I I like the value elsewhere. There's no way I'm trusting the Boilers. Especially since they're the favorites. Like, it would be one Mm -hmm. thing if they weren't the favorites and you say, okay, you maybe take that narrative and if you're getting value, but still – Uh, It's tough. And let me preface this by saying I think it's really tough to pick a winner in college hoops because it has the most volatility, I feel like, of just about any Mm -hmm. championship uh, that we see across sports. But here is one trend that we've seen over the years. Since the year 2002, every national champion has had at least a top 40 offense and at least a top 25 defense. When Ah. you see a trend like this, is this something – that you would follow very closely and say, hey, if there's a team that I like that is not in this like grid, I'm not taking mm-hmm. them? Or do you think all trends are trends, but you still have to look at other factors? I think it's something you strongly consider. I wouldn't rely mm-hmm. on it exclusively, but you know, trends are what they are for a reason. And I, I really... I really lean on defensive-minded teams this time of year. Like I like Houston a lot. I liked them last mm-hmm. year, and they've been so close. So there's a difference between a Purdue, which has gotten eliminated early, and Houston, which has been on the precipice of maybe winning it all. And what was it? I guess it was last week over the weekend when Houston played Kansas State a few days ago. And Jerome Tang said after the game, talking about the Cougars, this might be the best defensive team I've ever seen. That was a direct quote from him. So when you have a great college coach who's seen a lot of basketball before he was at K-State, Jerome Tang was at Baylor, and he says, I've seen a lot of basketball. This might be the best defensive team I've ever seen. Defense always travels. So those are the teams I like to bat because Houston can score as well. But defense is a thing that you can always play whether you're hot or not. And that's something that I focus more on that, I would say, than anything else come tournament time. 
Yeah, let's dive into that for a second. Because if you look at this trend, every team has been in the top 25 of defense and only the top 40 of offense. So I think that goes to the point that you're saying. And think about the format of March Madness. I think this is exactly what you were saying in that you can survive a night of cold shooting if your mm-hmm. defense is always there to play. Doesn't it feel like defense is more repeatable? Because obviously yes. there's some volatility when it comes to shooting. Even if you're a great offensive team, sometimes mm-hmm. the shots just aren't going to fall, especially from the three-point line. And that's why it's tough for me to back teams that rely really heavily on the three-point ball. Unless you're talking about underdogs, which maybe they strike gold, they get lucky in some of these games, and go a little further than they should. But is that why you think, you know, defense maybe means more in the the format that we have of March Madness? Absolutely. And I, I think that I was reading some stuff about Kelvin Sampson and I thought it was I thought it was interesting insight into how he coaches and how the great coaches sort of look at things. Of course you always want to shoot well, right? Like if a mm-hmm. coach says we want to shoot well. Well, yes, that's the game of basketball. Every time you shoot, you want to make a shot. So that's that's something that is a given just as to how the sport works. But he was talking about his formula for success, and he said, we play great defense, we hold on to the basketball, and we hit the boards. And those are things that aren't necessarily glamorous. Everybody wants to make their shots, but yeah, you want to shoot well, you want to play well offensively, but if you do the dirty work of we're going to out-rebound you, we're not going to turn the ball over. We're going to be stingy defensively. Those things, absolutely, if you do have a bad shooting night, and, and you're right, Chelsea, you can be the hottest shooting team in the tournament, but you have that one night where you're bad, and then all of a sudden your defense falters, you're gone. So if you're just relying on being an offense, then especially because in the tournament, you have to go on a run, right? You have to win a few mm-hmm. games in a row, and you have to stay hot. You can afford to have an off night shooting if your defense, if you're rebounding, if you're taking care of the basketball is in place. And so teams like Houston, teams that do a good job. I think Tennessee is another team that does that, but then Rick Barnes has has problems in the tournament. So those are the things that I just really play into. I think also you look at strength of schedule. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. that's how they base some of these seedings is your quad one and quad two wins. Right now, Purdue sits at the head of the pack with a 13-2 and two record against quad one and quad two teams. I think this is my knock on Auburn. Even though their record in quad one and quad yeah. two wins is six and four, they haven't really shown us a ton against some of the best teams in basketball. So I think when you look at teams who hail from some really good conferences, this is where you can maybe find some value with teams that don't necessarily look the best on paper. Because think about, you know, teams who are playing a weaker schedule. Obviously, their numbers are going to be better if they are playing weaker opposition. UConn, one of those teams that is looking pretty solid, quad one and quad uh, two wins, 11 and two on the year. Coming out of the Big East, they won it all last year. It's tough to repeat, though, so it should be a very fun march. We'll be grabbing our popcorn. All right, coming up next, we've got to talk a little football, or excuse me, a little golf. We've got the Pebble Beach Pro-Am coming up. Cam Rogers stops by to discuss, and then we'll talk football after that. We promise. For more, listen to The Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.